This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart! Now go, you heroes of Thra! Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Philip, and I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to um, this podcast. You know, we, we talk about all things Dark Crystal, and especially more so with the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, and as we're still, you know, continuing on with our character discussions, so we've previously done the character discussions on, well, two of the heroes, I guess you could say, the Gelfling heroes of Thra. But, you know, maybe, you know, I know there's, you know, the three sort of protagonists or, you know, the three heroes of Thra, but there are probably a lot more heroes than that, sort of thinking about that, which we'll definitely get into those discussions in future shows. But, of course, previously we did uh, discussions on Rian and Deet, and now this time we're going to discuss about uh, Brea. A rebellious princess. Yes, of course. And with us as always is Sydney Frost. So Sydney, thanks for um, being on the show. I guess I'm I'm our resident uh, rebellious princess of the group. So uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Brea is one of my absolute favorite characters um, in the series. And especially now after having had that lovely chat with Alice Deneen a few months back, uh, who of course puppeteered Brea. Um, so I have a, a whole new appreciation for her and I'm ready to dive into talking about Brea. She's, she's awesome. I love a good rebel. Yeah, absolutely. And for those that, um, you know, you can listen to that episode. I think if you just go on dark crystal dot on dark crystal podcast.com, and then you can scroll down. I think you should be able to find the Alistair episode, but also it's on the podcast as well. So if you just, you know, scroll down and you should be able to find that episode as we've had um, countless of, you know, puppeteers on the show, including her and Neil Sterenberg. And of course, Victor um, Yerid, who uh, performed Hup, which um, very soon we'll definitely be doing <laughs> character discussions on, on Hup as well. Um, no, which is, which is really cool. I guess, you know, thinking about, you know, the puppeteering actually, uh, for Bria, you know, sort of talking about that. Um, one of the things that really did surprise me was how I think they, they used, um, a Wii remote to sort of control the facial expressions, right? Yeah. The facial expressions, wasn't it? Yeah. It was mainly the eyes and, um, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the Wii nunchuck, right? The little one with the with the thumb that wiggles around that they modify the Wii nunchuck and it's turns out that it's it's perfect for like the little minute details of the facial expressions and and I don't think any puppet is quite as obvious with this minute detail as Brea. She has the most 
articulated facial expressions and i think we we saw that comment all over the fan groups and everything people just like astounded by how articulate brea's facial expressions are she's so memeable like to make little gifs of her for reactions and stuff her side eye is legendary at this point like her her little smile and like the little it's just so much um subtle emotion conveyed through brea's face so mad props and I think, I don't know, that that was the same technique they used um, with Hup as well, I think. Which I can't remember. But yeah, again, yeah, with Brea, like, just so... Yeah, and I just loved, I think, especially, yeah, with the head turnaround look. Um, I think when I were, you know, at the um, the, dude, the the Crystal Desert, I think. Um, that was one of my <laughs> favorite expressions. But even, like, even early in episode one, like, when she's talking to Skekok and just, like, when she's so, like, when she gasps, it's like, oh, well, wow, you know, you know, I've read all about you and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, yeah, very, very mind blowing. And and I know, like, even back when um when they first uh, released the images, and yeah, a lot of people were really with Brea that she, you know, had those sort of similarities, with, you know, with Kira. That that was really cool. Yeah, the lineage theories started all the way back then. Even back when all we had were pictures, people were already making theories about like, oh, she's got to be Kira's mom or Kira's grandma because she's the one who looks like Kira. You know, before we even had a trailer, people were already making those observations about how. Because so, our, our main three heroes, as you said, like they they were the first images we got of, of the Gelfling in this series before we had a trailer or anything. We had three images of Rian, Brea, and Deet. And our first impressions... Obviously, we see Rian and we think classic Gelfling hero, very similar facial structure to Jen. And of course, Deet was the most unfamiliar and interesting looking. She's the most different from the other Gelfling we may have seen. But Brea, very familiar. She looks very similar to what we think of Gelfling when we picture them in our head. Um, so right away, we kind of had that thought in our head of oh this is a character that we're going to relate to and feel a sense of familiarity with because she already feels like somebody that we know and i guess like i mean one of the big things i think um especially in episode one i remember with um you know when she's talking to skekok and wanting to know about sort of the whole library you know <laughs> wanting to go to the skeksis library and saying that's sort of you know forbidden and all that kind of stuff so i'm i'm it's one of those things i'm really curious about like in season two whether there is going to be possibly an episode that sort of revolves around with Brea. I mean, you know, you could have a sort of a moment where it's like, you know, Rian's going to the to the castle of the crystal. You know, she's trying to find out more of the history, the backstory, and, um, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. So that's one thing I'm really curious about, just because I'm just like, because they sort of mentioned in episode one that I sort of feel like that that's something that they've got to... um uh possibly um you know it'd be interesting if it pops up in season two yeah yeah absolutely um where is this library and if it's anything like brea's library which when we first meet brea in episode one we see this incredible spiraling library that just seems endless and it's just this labyrinth of <laughs> no pun intended of of books and so if this is like a normal Vaprin library if you know if this is this is not an impressive library by Brea's standards like what would the Skeksis library look like in comparison if you know at least in Brea's mind she has it built up like 
it must just be incredible in comparison. And us as humans, you know, simple people of Earth, we're just looking at Brea's library and wishing for five minutes in there, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Actually, it made me think about, like, I would love it if it was just, like, you know, you're thinking that this library, this Gex's library is going to be insane, but it's, like, it's just, like, this one lone yeah. book that's just there, yeah. you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I could see them doing that. I don't know, yeah, yeah. That's the ultimate yeah. jerk move that a Skeksis would do, like, oh, yeah, we got this awesome library. It's way better than anything you can have. Like, it's the best. And you go and it's just, like, one dusty book. And it's just, like, doodles of Skeksis all being awesome. Just, like, these childish doodles of Skeksis ruling and Gelflings are lame. And <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, I mean, I did think about, I mean, the, the Earth Skeks used to live there as well. So I reckon there could be, like, sort of a little yeah. hidden passage. That's probably in a way. very true. But, you know... That, that, that could sort of, yeah, that could par parallel to, um, I guess, you know, with the Vaprin capital, you know, how there was that little secret entrance, you know, to lore, maybe another secret entrance to the history of the Urskex. Yeah. And we know the Urskex gave Agra so much information. So, yeah. you know, what, where is all this information that they had? Is, was this something that they just knew because they were, you know, amazing, all-knowing creatures or would they have compiled all their knowledge into a big, amazing library? That would actually make sense, I think, as to why the Skeksis wouldn't really care about the library anymore once, you know, after they're divided, because they're like, well, we don't want to be reminded of what we were before. So they kind of, you know, if there is a big Urskek library, it's probably all dusty and abandoned at this point because they're like, don't go in there. Or maybe even the Skeksis would have destroyed it. That's a theory for another episode we get into like <laughs> yeah exactly the yeah Skeksis might have you know in a fit of rage destroyed the Urskex library who who knows that's more ideas for season two it's there come on listen yep <laughs> i know i know make it happen netflix yeah yeah exactly so i know it's all always good fun about that um all that speculation but yeah and and i definitely remember like you know sort of highlights especially in episode one it was just so it was actually really weird you know seeing uh, Brea hugging Skekok, you know, because it was like sort of at a time where, you know, they sort of all got along and, you know, they didn't know what the Skeksis are up to. And uh, I definitely remember, yeah, that first episode, it's like when she was hugging. And you're afraid yeah. for her. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're really for nervous her, yeah. for her because, you know, she has no idea yet. I mean, she's a little suspicious because she's the only one who's taken it upon herself to look in the books and be like, something's not adding up here. This is all from their point of view. I have so many questions I want to ask them. And then to be told that the Skeksis hate questions and she's immediately taken back by that. Like, how can we learn if we don't ask them questions? Why do they hate questions? And that's, I think, when her suspicion really starts is when she's told, don't ask them questions. And that's like the ultimate crime for Brea. Like, I have to be able to learn and ask questions. What kinds of leaders don't want us to learn? So that's sort of the first step. And then when she meets them, she initially wants to be like, you know, oh, these are our overlords. Life's been great so far. So why wouldn't they be awesome? They're letting me into the carriage. I'm going to hug him. It's great. He's so nice. You know, they could have run me over and they didn't. And you can see, again, a amazing comment on um, the articulation of Brea's facial expressions because you can physically see her start to feel weird about what's going on. You can see it in her eyes like... These guys are not quite what I expected. I feel a little uncomfortable right here. I thought this was going to be a really fun, 
ride, but I'm kind of wanting to get out of here. <laughs> What's yeah, going yeah. on? I know, yeah. Um, Especially meeting yeah. up, seeing Skeklak, you know. With, and she's uh, getting the covered pustules in... and, yeah. Yeah. She's getting snotted on in the carriage. <laughs> yes, like, yeah. this is not what I signed <laughs> up for. Um, and then for the, I think another uh, interesting point about that scene, too, is the fact that the Skeksis are impressed by the fact that she can read. Like, they don't know enough about the Gelfling or care enough about the Gelfling to know that literacy is not uncommon for them, that they're a full-fledged culture. So when Brea can read, they're like, wow, this one reads. Like, Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely makes me go, you know, go back even to the Dark Crystal and, you know, Kira, you know, couldn't, couldn't read. I mean, I mean she was know, raised by podlings yeah, in a yeah, swamp. We, 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 with that, well, with... Oh yeah, yeah, raised by podling, but yeah, yeah, you know, um, yeah, couldn't read, you know, with the Gelfling, you know, the inscription from the the Wall of Destiny, and it was up to Jen that could. But I mean, yeah, Jen got taught really from yeah, you know, from his master. That is an interesting point but though, yeah. too, because that shows us that the Gelfling culture prior to the film was one that was literate and was a culture that had books and stories and songs and, um you know, legends passed down and libraries. That was something that was inherent in their culture. And we wouldn't have really known that from the movie alone. We knew we had the Wall of Destiny. So we knew that they, you know, had legends, that they kept the history on the Wall of Destiny. But really, that was the only glimpse from the movie that we got into Gelfling culture. And Brea really showed us as an audience who was only familiar with the movie, Brea let us know a huge chunk about Gelfling culture just by the fact that she had this amazing library and that literacy was actually integral to them. Um, and then it goes to show how much is really destroyed and lost between the events of Age of Resistance and the film. It's not just a mass genocide, it's also a total destruction of culture and literature and stories and history that gets wiped out. So, ooh. It's a lot. <laughs> and Brea, she's she's pretty much the Ronip of Age of Resistance yeah. in a way because Ronip's sort of very similar in that he was always asking questions, especially, you know, um, against the, the Urskex, you know, what their true nature is and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it just, just, yeah, just that little sort of, you know, little comparison there <laughs> between her and, yeah. and Ronip a it's... little bit. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I would, I would, I would really love it if Ronip appeared on, you know, in season two that he actually survived. Yeah. And I can just imagine the, the conversations that, that those two would have, you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And uh, that would be, that is kind of a hot take to have nowadays, right? Because it's another thing that's sort of a subject of division among the Dark Crystal fans is some people are very anti-Ronip. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, they acknowledge him in the series a little bit by um, saying that there's, I think they call it Ronip's Pass. Yeah. So the, when that, yeah, that was in episode six, I think. Was yeah. Six or so seven. Yeah, I think it was the six. The name is included in there. It's, you know, when Madra Farah is going to have the smackdown by air with Celadon, right? And they talk about how they're going to go to Ronip's Pass. And also, um, Ronip is mentioned in the J.M. Lee novels as well. Um, yes. When yeah, they come was, upon yeah. the, the book that uh, Kylan is looking through the book and like so much of it is notes from Ronip and his discoveries and things. So we know that they're acknowledging Ronip as, as Canon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and creation myths is a hundred percent to be 
considered canon. Yes, and, yeah. Yeah. And also, am I crazy? But I feel like Seth Green would be amazing as Roundup. Ooh. <laughs> I would want Seth Green to play. Yeah. <laughs> I, sure I, I like that. I definitely like that tag take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd be He's just, he's very expressive and fun, and he's a little more matured now, and he has a lot of, um, a background in voicing animation and things like that, so I feel like, I think, I feel he would be a good fit. I, I just, that's the first thing that came into my mind when I imagined if we could ever have a Roundup puppet. I also feel like the Pluffums kind of look like Roundup a little bit. Yeah, they do a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, I know, the, like, baby Roundups, um... Yeah, I'd be curious if they were sort of inspired by Roundup um, in in the design or whether it just sort of, or if it was just sort of a pure coincidence sort of thing that, you know, when uh, Brian was doing the sketches and just like, oh, it kind of looks like Roundup. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Agreed. I also feel like uh, if we were to get introduced to Roundup in season two, or at least um, even if he's not still alive, if we were to see him in flashbacks or via the book or something like that it would be brea to discover like brea would be the one who would find his his writing his journal things like that it would be sort of similar to what we were seeing kylan go through in the novels but in the context of age of resistance i think it would be brea it makes the most sense that because she's the one who's always seeking answers and researching and looking in the books and stuff i think she's the one who'd be like ronip who's ronip what's who's that? Agra had a son and she'd be the one to investigate the creation, the creation myths, essentially. Um, just a fun theory. I just, uh, imagining Brea sifting through that ancient library that we haven't seen yet, that we hope still exists and Brea discovering Raunip. What a good episode that would be. I know it's one of those things where I'm just like, if they did do a season two and it sort of involved Raunip, because I definitely feel like, I don't know, it's like whether Olga tries to find her and like, find him, sorry. And it sort of becomes like, you know, she sort of becomes the Gandalf of this, you know, of season two. Like, you know, in the Hobbit, like sort of, oh, you know, I'm going to disappear for a long time, but I'll come back. Yeah. Um, trying to track down. And she kind of did that already too. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, except she didn't really come back better. No. She just came back mad oh yeah 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 she was um yeah because i remember yeah like you know of course when the crystal happened you know got cracked and she was just broken so forgotten about her son you know towards the end and just really sad about it all yeah yeah and probably also dealing with a lot of guilt you know for the fact that she essentially abandoned everybody to go investigate the heavens yes exactly back and yeah all hex broken loose while she was gone so she's probably feeling pretty guilty about that also but um but you know that's for our episode about agra that i'm sure we'll have <laughs> but uh but with brea though man she's she really serves a purpose for us as an audience in the show brea really serves as almost like our eyes and ears for for learning about the world because brea is always learning and we as a fandom are trying to learn as much as we can about this world. And <laughs> we, we have been ever since the movie because we'll take whatever um, relic about the Dark Crystal we can get. <laughs> and I kind of feel like that's part of why we relate to Brea so much as an audience because she's just so thirsty for knowledge and so are we. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think that was like, yeah, one of the cool things like that 
these or every character was just so different and i think that was a great thing yeah with Breya, um you know sort of having that knowledge to be able to you know express that knowledge to you know to other characters that sort of you know that relates to us and um yeah you know knowing wanting to know so much about the world of thra because yeah like you i mean you know said that we we only got one film you got these graphic novels that you know you know if you really search hard you know you could find them that sort of thing so yeah um, we had these pieces of the history but a lot of gaps in between like so we're always looking to fill those gaps and that's exactly what brea is doing as well and something I really appreciate about Brea is the fact that even though she's so intelligent and she's so well-read and she's headstrong and she's she's smart, she's never um, condescending or she doesn't act like a know-it-all. She's She approaches her wisdom from like a, I'm always looking to learn more. So she doesn't really think she's better than anybody else because it would be very easy for somebody in Brea's position, who's not only in a, a higher up level of society, she's royalty, she's in much more of a position of privilege than a lot of other Gelfling. Um, and in addition to that, she's also very well read and has this huge library and she's super smart. There's every opportunity for her to be more of a brat than she is, like more of a, a know-it-all than she is. She could be much more snotty and snobby and constantly correcting other people like one of those people who's always like well actually it's yeah, I'm ac- I'm actually <laughs> and, <laughs> and and she's not like that at all she's no. humble still she's so humble about her intelligence and the fact that she's always looking for more knowledge and that's just it makes her so lovable her character could have very easily have been much less lovable if they had gone that route and it's a really, I think, another important lesson for, for humanity. Like, you can be intelligent, you can be wise, you can be always in pursuit of knowledge, but remember that it is always a pursuit of knowledge. You're never finished. You're never better than everybody else. So even if you're a princess, you're not better than anybody else. You're still looking for knowledge like the rest of us are. We're all learning. <laughs> yeah, always, yeah, wanting to yeah learn more and... Um yeah yeah i yeah i just 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 love her uh her character and just sort of especially you know the journey that she goes through i mean you know especially in that library scene i mean that's what sort of sets the the chain of events for her um especially with that um the the skeksis uh book of law i'm probably got i probably messed up the that, name of it just now big but triangle book that folds out all crazy i would i'd love to get that book <laughs> you know if they ever did release that book it's like oh, I, I would totally buy that and i think in that making of the age of resistance book that came out a while back there are some pages of it in there that we do get a little bit of an insight into the book but yeah if we could actually see like every single page because you know they went into detail there and created it just like they did with brea's journal oh yeah Man, totally yeah that's another thing too brea's journal yeah <laughs> she no. has this amazing prop that they could have very easily have just um you know made a book with a pretty cover that didn't have anything inside or only had a couple of pages that, that the camera was gonna see but there were so many pages that they hand painted and hand drew um which in the crystal calls documentary we see that you know we see them talking about how that was created and that just goes to show the painstaking detail to which they wanted to expand upon this world and this character of Brea that, you know, even though most of these pages were not going to be seen on camera, they still painted them down to the last details so that 
Brea would have this real tangible book that she put her time and effort into. That's, you know, you can't say that about a lot of characters. No, no. I, I It is sort of one of those sort of, I mean, for me, it's sort of one of the disappointing things is sort of like, I kind of wish that, it, that whether it's Jim Henson Company or Netflix, really pushing that merchandise a little bit more than what they did. Because, I mean, even just thinking about just now, um, Brea, no Funko Pop. Um, How weird is that? It, so it, weird, right? it is so odd. It's, it's, it's one of those weird things. It's like, you know, you, you got Rian and Deed, um, and you got Harp, you got Skekamal, you got your Chamberlain, of course, and Augra. Um, they even did one, you know, for Skekra and um, Ergo, but no Brea. It's, the I, only real Brea merch we got was the Weta figure, which only just recently came out. That's one of the newer ones. Yeah, because um, I, I don't think they even did Brea as a, um, uh, what do you call them? The, um, the, so those reaction figures. I know they're not called that now, but I think they're called um, something else. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it still says it on the thing because I have I have a few of those that I know what you're talking about those reaction action figures. Yeah, because I think I have all of them that they made, and I thought the same thing. It's so weird that there's no Brea, especially since, again, right off the bat when we first got those images before we even had a trailer or anything, Brea was the one we were most familiar with already. Right off the bat, we recognized like, oh, she looks like Kira. This is a Gelfling I know already. Like she looks like a Gelfling. So, it's so weird that they didn't sort of capitalize on that you know she's so lovable and she's so expressive and she's so important to the story <laughs> like, i know crucial. i know yeah yeah it's yeah it's just just one of those really bizarre things um that yeah i just i just thought yeah they, they really you know could have had that opportunity and i still you know even for me it's like i still want that pluffum yeah <laughs> as well <laughs> like that pluffum plush toy thing and um, her journal would yeah, be amazing. Yeah, the, the journal. Yeah, of course, her, her journal and just just. Even if they made it um, like incomplete, like if they made it so that it was part partially like accurate to the movie, but also had blank pages so you could use it as a sketchbook, you know. Oh yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. Like the the Brian Froud sketchbook, I actually have one. It's amazing. It's this um beautiful hardback sketchbook with like a Brian Froud froud fairy on the front and like the first several pages are a bunch of froud sketches but the rest of it like it's a it's a high quality sketchbook like for you to use it's functional and i feel like something like that would be awesome for brea's notebook or brea's journal if they made a real journal that you could use but it also had all of brea's pages in there and it was like accurate to film at the same time i who would not buy that out of all the people listening right now, would you not buy that? Yeah, you would. And if you're saying no, you're lying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the weather figures, like they're just so incredible. Um, as always, you know, they're always bringing out new figures. And I know, I, I know probably a bit off topic, but I know as of this recording, um, Urva the Archer just got released and oh, it's so much money, but it's like, but it's so good. It's like, Hey, if you have the means, no judgment, like, I, I personally just don't have the space for anything that big and beautiful just yet. I got to wait till I move to a bigger house, but my little Bay Area apartment, those things wouldn't stand a chance against my cats and I'm not risking that. They're expensive. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> but man, someday, who I, I intend to have a beautiful glass case with all of those Weta figures in them one day and they're, they're amazing. And I'm very thankful we at least have that for Brea because that Brea figure is beautiful. Yeah. The yeah. Color absolutely yeah and i think there's been sort of speculation i because whether 
was just trying to look at it with, with the Brea figure and whether um because her pose is when she um encounters law i know that was sort of another thing whether you know that they might whether they might do a um a figure where uh of law essentially uh, that you can sort of put the two ne next to each other so that would be pretty interesting but yeah i mean and, and one of my favorite moments from bria i think especially early in the season i think it might have been episode two when she goes to the um the siphon to meet Alda Kadir in the tents. Yes, yeah. Which, of course, was, you know, where we got the first image of um, Brea was actually from that scene. Again, at another level of, the, you know, I mean, of course, with other characters, I mean, with the librarian and Kadir, so that little bit, there's something going on between them two. But also, um, it definitely, you know, shows that Brea's, you know, pretty clever about, you know, she knows that... <laughs> she doesn't listen to anyone's rules at all she's just like she's so disobedient but she's slick about it and she just she she doesn't care she just does it i mean she she cares about what she's supposed to care about but she doesn't care about getting in trouble she's like it's fine if i get you know thrown into the you know have to wear a silly clown hat as punishment and have to clean some naked podlings like that's fine i just need the knowledge and i'm gonna break whatever rules i have to to get to it and they're like, you know, don't go talk to the Seafins. She's like, I'm going to do it. I don't yeah. care. As she yeah. goes. Yeah. They know and a lot about their symbols. <laughs> yeah. She just figures out what the most efficient way to get the information is going to be. And she does it. And yeah, yeah. She, she's so smart and she's so brave. Ugh, she just goes, man. She, she don't care. Yeah. No F given for Brea. Oh, no, no. Because, yeah, it's just like, because, yeah, she knew, like, straight ahead about, you know, when Elder just sort of said, Kadir sort of mentions about, oh, bring me the powdered Nullroot. And she knew straight off the bat, you know, what, you know, what what the effects of that is, you know, to, to do with amnesia. So she's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not falling for this, you know. You know, I'm two steps ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, of course. I And I also appreciated that that was sort of a subtle um homage to princess bride fans um <laughs> that that whole scene with the like which glass is it in and switch the glasses and you know give him the poison and oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so those of us who are who are fans of the princess bride definitely had a little flashback to you know um i've spent my whole my whole life building up an immunity to iocane powder they were both poison. Yeah. <laughs> um so it was a nice little callback to um other franchises that i think dark crystal fans would also be fans of and brea is totally like she's got big dread pirate roberts energy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely yeah um and then yeah i was just thinking just like all these other um you know thing things with with brea i mean that was yeah i think it was the start of episode three the um order Le lesser services that you mentioned that was and again another fantastic you know brea moment and um yeah it was so good like you know trying to chase the that podling that was just kept running away from her and you know doing all that yeah. stuff and, and then she makes a deal with one at the end too yes like, yeah yeah i'm gonna get out of here i'm gonna let you go i'm gonna make a little bargain with you i'm gonna get out of here and you don't say anything about it like she's she's so slick she's such a little ninja <laughs> she's just like figured out the most efficient way to get what she needs and that's the that's the way she goes it's just like even if i got a bargain with this little naked podling and get out of here that's what i'm gonna do she's just man she's such a pirate inside i think she would have made a good seafin 
I feel like secretly Brea would have enjoyed like running away with the Seafin because we already know Tavra is fond of the Seafin as well. Those of us who read the novels and know anything about Tavra's character, um, Tavra, of course, has a really close relationship with Annika and spent a lot of her childhood sort of running away to hang out with the Seafins, right? And I think Brea has a personality very much in line with that too. I could see in the future, you know, here's another theory for season two and beyond. I could totally see Brea, you know, leading a faction of Gelfling to safety by sea, like on a, on a boat, you know, like she tactically figures out what the most efficient way to get people, get as many Gelfling to safety as possible and executing that and becoming a pirate. Like how, what, how cool is that? Yeah, I know. Come that on. would be, Listen, yeah, that, that'd two. be, it's so, so <laughs> cool. Um, it did make me think about, I mean, because of course, like in the show, um, you know, we know her sisters, her mother, um, but we, we don't know, you know, with her, whether, you know, she has a father or whether maybe there is two mothers who, who, who knows? Um, so I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, you know, if there was a mother or another mother or father, uh, for Brea, whether they're actually from the Seafin, um, you know, sort of, you know, that explain her, you know, that pirateness sort of, you know, that, that attitude that she, that she has. Because she's, she's, because she's so smart she's able to get away with it every time like she might have a little bump in the in the road and have to get scolded but ultimately she gets what she wants she figures out the most effective way and she pirates it so um yeah and i'm kind of hoping that maybe in the comics cuz we do get um the comics right now are talking about uh Almadra Mayrin's backstory a little bit so maybe there's something there in regard to her partner or if she had a partner and who she sort of mated with to, to make her daughters or if that even is a thing that's still a major question we talked about last time talking about Deet like we have so many questions about Gelfling biology and like how are Gelfling created are they born of Thra are they like Cabbage Patch Kids and they come out of like the ground and <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, yeah there's there, you know like there's no definitive ads at the moment but um yeah, I mean, you know, regardless of what it is, like it's it's gonna be very interesting. Um, so I can't, I, you know, I'd be very curious, very curious to see, because I know, of course, with Rian, um, well, you, you know, know he Rian has a mom and a has dad, has a mother. Um, so we know about that, but yeah, we actually don't know about um, with Rhea whether she has um, another mother or, or a father. Um, it's so yeah, so sort of opens it up. Pos- I like the theory that he's a pirate. He's a or she, he or she is a, a seafin pirate. That's that's a really interesting idea because it explains not only Brea's behavior but Tavra's, and kind of Celadon's too. Because Celadon's a little bit of a of a rebel also, just in a in a different way. Um, but you know she eventually figures it out. She <laughs> she redeems herself a little in the end. Not there's a lot of contention about whether or not Celadon had a a believable arc. You know her redemption story was not as strong as it could have been i think a lot of fans are saying but um either way you know you can't argue that she she goes her own way and that all three sisters have sort of a a rebel energy about them you know they're gonna do what they want yeah absolutely yeah they're independent yeah yeah and uh and of course you know she so does that you know when she you know leaves the order lesser services and uh investigates about um uh you know what the meaning of the symbol and 
and you know needing to find the brightest jewel which you know is the unamorph um which activates the uh um sorry i should say it's it's a chrysalis um um and that you know that sort of activates the sort of um the chair you know all the you know opens a little doorway and she goes down and sort of encounters um i mean before she encounters thra um you know she sees all these different symbols representing each clan and and she's trying to figure out you know what thinking that it's a puzzle but then it sort of realizes that that the entire yeah yeah it's a lesson yeah yeah you know thra's true balance will be found when natural order is sound and that realization that it's basically that all clans, you know, were to be treated as if they were equal, you know, as one essentially. Yep, because they're that that hierarchy of you know Vaprin at the top, Drenchin at the bottom, or whatever is was something constructed by Skeksis to divide them, and is not the natural order. The natural order is not to be divided by clan boundaries at all, and she's sort of the first Gelfling to figure that out. And she has to sort of fight her conditioning at the beginning because her instinct is to say, oh, well, I have to put them in order. And obviously Vaprin's first. So like she, even though she's kind hearted, she still has to break through those expectations that she has of growing up in that society and not knowing anything different. So she naturally thinks, oh yeah, it's just, we got to put them in order. But then she's so open to learning it's a huge lesson, everyone listening. Be open to learning. She, she's so quick to realize. Oh, it's, it's not a puzzle. I'm not putting them in order. It's a lesson in equality, because we're, are there is no natural order, you know. That's, that's not the way that nature works. Isn't you know doesn't put us in a hierarchy like that. Um, so she's open to change. That's when we get, you know, she gets introduced to law and with law coming to life, yeah. Such a great moment just, you know, just seeing the 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 creature just coming to life and, you know, Breda just finding out that you know, that there's been and this hearing creature. Andy Sandberg's voice come from him. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know. Which I mean at at, at first I didn't knew that it was like it just didn't occur to me who who was voicing that character. Um it was actually probably a good thing that did they didn't because I don't think they um, put like you know him in the credits, you know, as the voice of law. So I thought that was really it was just good. Just a recording. Oh yeah, exactly. So I, I'm, I'm glad left, they didn't right? do that because then it would have been easy to sort of connect the dots about. Ah, oh, okay, now we know that. Um, but I did have a moment when they played that clip when uh, you hear Skekgra's sort of message um, played through Lore's little record scratch on his on his arm when he he plays the the voice clip right. Um, I did think to myself, like, that's a weird voice. <laughs> like, that's not what I was expecting to come out of this thing. And then later when we meet Skekgra, we're like, oh, I see. It was because he made him. But at the time, you're sort of jarred by it. Like, what? What? That's not the voice I was expecting. And I just love that <laughs> um, the analog sort of sound coming from um, Law. But then again, you know, he is made of rocks. So, cool. so I, I, yeah. I love that. So, yeah. And roll. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I, so I think really from her, you know, she then does the dream, the dreams, dream space. Well, sort of the dream fasting with, um, her mother is sort of tell her what it is, which sort of ended up becoming a dream space. Um, again, another great moment. And then we just, you know, from there, it's like, well, she becomes a big part of the story to sort of join, 
to join with um, Rian and Dan and all the other Gelflings on the journey. So she has her objective at that point, but then of course the moment of tragedy is not much um, longer after that moment where she loses her mother, and yeah, of course, yeah, and and she she really goes through a lot. Like, I mean, because she she loses not only um, her mother, but she also loses her um, um, her sister. In as a way, well. she loses both of her sisters. Um, or loses two sisters. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um it, it is gonna be one of those things where i'm really curious like what's gonna happen in season two like i don't know whether with saladon whether she will continue to be the old moja you know or whether she, you know the leader of the the Vaprin clan or whether saladon gives it to brea or, or if they go kind um, of what's hinted at in the jm lee novels which there's sort of a moment at the end of I think the last book um, where the Gelfling sort of acknowledged Tavra as their Madra. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they don't really yeah, know course, what's yeah. going on with Tavra and you know, the spider thing and that whole spider storyline is sort of wishy-washy in the show. Like those of us who read the books thought like, I bet she's that spider, but you know, it's not really confirmed so it's hard to say no but... no it's it's still open for interpretation yeah i know especially like with those books i think um yeah it's one of those things where it's like sometimes they rhyme and sometimes yeah they just they don't align up as much as you know we would have loved for it to be but i i i, I really think with the books i think i i think i think what happened i reckon with those books is that because they were sort of written at the time where i think they were going to go ahead you know, with that animation TV show. And I think they were probably going to, if it was going to go ahead as a, as a animation, you know, 2d kind of show that I think like they like, it, it like the books probably would have lined up a lot more to that. But then once they were like, Oh, we're going to be big and ambitious with puppets. I think, um, they had to sort of change things a little bit. Um, which I, I think for the better, like I'm, I'm sort of glad, you know, um, um like i mean jamie's books are you know are great i really enjoyed them uh, but i also liked with age of resistance how they sort of did their own thing as well and um um that sort of thing but it's it's gonna be really interesting like yeah especially with um tavra which i'm sure we'll do a character episode about tavra about you know the big comparisons with her between the books and um and the show because i think she's one of the characters that has a lot of big differences between them like out of all the characters from the books to the show but it, it, it is going to be really interesting and and i guess you know at the end of the with the show like with um with brea with her character um you know at the end like she gets you know she grabs the shard and and you know realizes about well you know skekra didn't want to you know he wanted us to you know to have the shard that this is going to be the answer to ending skexy's power essentially so it's going to be really interesting whether I, I think where she's going to be more, more even even more of a leader in season two, um, especially with Deet and Rian. It sort of seemed like at the end that those two are sort of like, I mean, of course, you know, with Deet has you know been consumed with the darkening, and Rian's really concerned about her. Whether that might be, you know, what Rian's going to do is just he's just going to think about trying to save Deet somehow, and whether. Brea's really going to take charge in all this. I mean, 
of course he had that vision of course with um with Rand, you know getting the the crystal back in into place um thinking it might work um and then of course with Brea um holding on to uh what we believe well i think is very very you know uh very likely to be a case of a uh, little baby Kira. So that's going to be really interesting how those things, if they do come to play in season two, if we do get it. Um, so yeah, there's just, just a lot, a lot there with Brea. Yeah. It raises a lot of questions about, you know, there are so many theories out there about because of that vision, Brea's Kira's mom. And uh, I actually kind of like the theory that Celadon is actually Kira's mom and Brea's, just you know saving her she's rescuing the baby like maybe celadon is the one who gets killed um because if you actually compare the the puppets like the structure if you were to just look at the the mold of their gelfling faces kira's face is actually much more similar in structure to celadon's face and um kira's mother when we we see her for a little bit I think it's kind of believable that that could be Celadon and that um, when Celadon is potentially, you know, killed by a Gartham, then Brea has to rescue Kira. You know, it's it's an interesting theory and, you know, maybe maybe it's totally off and maybe Brea is the mom and maybe neither of them are and Brea happens to get the baby Kira for some other reason. <laughs> Who knows? But um, Yeah, I know. I know. It, it, I know. It would be actually interesting if, I mean, if they were just like, from random, you know, Galfling parents like these two with Jen and Kira, they just they they survived, but they're not like uh, related to, you know. Of course, you had the whole speculation with um with Rian and Deed, and of course with yeah and with Brea and um uh, I'm trying to think who else. I know there's been a lot of speculation. I think with with uh, Brea and Kylan, and I think there is sort of hints of that that you could sort of see. Ah, oh, okay, you know, they're, they're making an, an, eye, an eye for each other a little bit, um, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, not nearly as much as um, when she's flirting with Rakir. Honestly, like she's way more into him. You can see that a little more than any like chemistry between her and Kylan. But, but also, I think there's something to be said there about like they don't necessarily have to be the direct parents of these characters we're familiar with in the movie like it's possible that you know it's at that point in gelfling history what ends up happening because all the clans kind of fuse together after the events of age of resistance and they sort of divide those they they um get rid of those lines that separate them right and they kind of all fuse to just become one clan of gelfling instead of seven so they all can sort of take on similarities and as they all sort of interbreed so to speak and maybe new gelfling are born and you know gelfling that are in jen and kira's generation they're not necessarily direct parents but they would share traits from a lot of the characters that we've seen already because a lot of people have pointed out too that kira personality wise is most like Dee, and you know jen clearly looks like rian and Rian and Deet are clearly, you know, they have a romance thing going on. So it wouldn't make sense for, you know, for Kira to be Deet's kid. But she acts a lot like Deet. So, you know, that's just, there's so much to think about there. Is Maybe they're not directly 
um, kids of any of the characters from Age of Resistance that we've seen. It's just that they've taken on traits that are familiar to us from those characters. You know, they yeah, all yeah. are similar. Yeah. So I know, I know um, all these, all uh, these questions that we just want to know. Like, uh, I can't, I can't wait to find out. I mean, who knows? Um, because I know we've got those books coming out, like Songs of the Seven Gelfling Clans. Um, I mean, for example, in that book, I, I know they mention about oh, name day um, as like the equivalent of a birthday. So I'm curious about if, if, if they'll delve into that kind of stuff, um, but probably not. But I, I, I yeah, yeah, I know. How are yeah, they born? <laughs> do they mate? How does yeah. that work? <laughs> like, I mean, not too much detail there. I don't need to know exactly how it works. Yeah, no. But, but a general idea, you know, do they need to pair up to make babies or do they come out of cabbage patches? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, the truth is out there, so. <laughs> the truth is out there and I want to believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot with, with Brea and I think, yeah, it, like for me, I'm very interested in knowing what she's going to do uh, moving forward in the stories and, um, you know, yeah, you know, with potentially, you know, so being the main leader of season two. And, and I just definitely feel like that, that Skeksis library just is, I don't know. I feel like even though it was sort of like, you could sort of see it as sort of like a, just a, a random line sort of thing to sort of establish about, well, Gelflings are forbidden to certain things, but I kind of feel like it's just going to come into play somehow. Um, so I'm that they're, they're, they're probably the two big things I think for Bria. I'm, definitely sort of anticipating for her um and also i guess you know what happened so you know with you know her carrying um you know little baby kira um so i think they're the big th three that sort of pop into my mind um yeah with her character and uh i also did kind of want to touch on a little bit back to the jam lee novels the fact that we do get a little bit of an introduction to brea's character um those of us who read the novels before age of resistance came out we when we um we get a lot about Tavra's character in the novels but she reveals that Brea is her sister and then by that point we've heard about the three main characters from Age of Resistance from um the three images that the, that were released at that time but we didn't have the show yet so we were already putting it together like oh okay so the main character one of the main characters from Age of Resistance is the sister of one of the main characters from the books and so we get little glimpses into that sister relationship that Brea has with Celadon and Tavra, but from Tavra's perspective. And then in Age of Resistance, we're getting to see it from Brea's perspective. And I will say, even though there's a lot of differences um, in a lot of things between the, the novels and Age of Resistance, they are pretty consistent about Brea <laughs> and the way she's described um, and the, the relationship, the, the dynamic of the three sisters and who plays what role, I guess, in their, in their triad of sisters and how Brea's the, Celadon views her as the brat who always gets, gets what she wants, but Brea's really the one who's always after knowledge and how Brea and Tavra have a bit of a closer relationship than with Celadon, um, and, and we do actually see in, I think it's in Song of the Dark Crystal in the second book, we actually get, um, there's like a little passage where we see after they've done the, or it's Tides maybe, where we see a glimpse, Tavra asks to see, well, their, uh, their soothsaying, their dream, um, 
what is the thing that Annika does? Far dreaming. They're far dreaming. Uh, uh, Annika is far dreaming with the main characters. And Tavra asks, can I see my mom and my sisters? So she far dreams to give um, Tavra a vision of her sisters. And so we see an interaction through Tavra's eyes. We see an interaction between Mayrin, Celadon, and Brea, who are like having this argument. And we see that it's after Brea has had the vision of the Oriel symbol. And Brea is trying to tell Celadon and Mayrin, like, you know, something's not right. You know, I got this vision, and Celadon's arguing. It's and it's like almost an identical scene to, to what we see in Age of Resistance, with the exception of the the pink petals that that they put the um the message on, right? So that's really the only difference. But as far as the actual interaction, they wrote Brea and how she interacts with Celadon and and the Almadra like identically. And so we got a nice little hint about what was to come because then by the time Age of Resistance came, it's like, oh, I saw this. Like, it's a lot like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Like when I, yeah, even I think last night, like when I was skimming through Tides and yeah, I was, yeah, like there was like some dialogue that was like, oh, wow, it's, it's ex- exactly the same as it was on the show. Um, and yeah, like I was really surprised like with Tides, like how much, because um, I think Tides, probably from Tides onwards is sort of when it really connected to the show a lot more um still you still got the, those differences um here and there but yeah so that was really really interesting so yeah i think we'll have to wrap up for our discussion on bria um but for part two we actually want to hear your thoughts on bria uh what you loved about the the character if there's something that we sort of you know sort of missed over that you like us to just sort of discuss in detail I know there's just so much about Brea that we could just keep going on and on and on. Uh, yeah. So if you want to send a, an email to us at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com or you can just post on our um, on social media with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram if you've got any thoughts that you know, you'd like us to sort of discuss about um, for, uh, for the part two discussion for, um, for Brea. And also um, for this episode, we, we might also do, we're going to try and do like with each show, we'll do like a little shout out towards, um, to people within the community. Because of course, like with Age Resistance coming out, there's been a lot of love for the show. And of course, you know, a lot of people that are very, you know, very artistic, I guess, you know, with, with their works, you know, with the fan art and and uh, through so many different mediums as well, not just fan art, but just um, that we want to definitely want to give a shout out, which I know was, was, which was your suggestion, Sydney. And, um, so I guess I might pass it on to you, like for this episode, um, who's going to be a shout out, um, (laughs) for this episode. Well, just, you know, since I am, uh, one of the admins on the crystal shard Facebook group, I see so many fan interactions, um, in the dark crystal community. And there's just, ours is just such a creative, fan community there's so many artists creators makers and there's so much great dark crystal artwork and creations out there and i know a lot of us who complain about wanting more merch and you know more dark crystal swag it's out there you just have to support your local independent artists and they're all in the fan groups um today i actually wanted to give a shout out to artwork by joy and uh, you can find her artwork by Joy on Facebook and on Instagram. She actually just did an amazing painting um, 
from the original film. It's uh, very similar to one of the original posters, um, but in her own sort of style. And she has a lot of great prints of it, some with like their hand embellished. And um, so her shop is really great. She's artwork by Joy. Um, dot my shopify.com artwork by joy you can find her on facebook and uh, of course in the crystal shard uh, facebook fan group she did recently post so you can look for her in there um, so that's the artist we want to feature today check her out she has a lot of great fantasy artwork from dark crystal labyrinth and a lot of other great uh, things you're probably a fan of if you're listening yeah absolutely yeah and um yeah i was just going through her um her store and like you know you see like the sweet date is another great one and um of, co- of course you got baby yoda there of course <laughs> the Manda- mandalorian um but yeah that's um but yeah i just wanted to give a shout out to her and uh, actually we-, we will put the the links all of her links in the show notes um so you can easily sort of track down her website and all of her social medias um yeah that we're going to do um yeah for future shows so yeah and also if you want to support the podcast um you know the best way i mean you can follow us on social media but you can also check out our our patreon at patreon.com forward slash dark crystal podcast and and of course sending you've been doing um uh, fan art every month so i know for june we did um you you did of course with brea and um and we were still going to work out who our character is going to be for um the july rewards so um so yeah the, the you know you can check it all that you know all that out on patreon.com forward slash dark crystal yet another way to get dark crystal yeah swag. exactly <laughs> yeah and also you get the bonus content um where uh, i do these little shows called dream space which mainly is just me just talking to a microphone um which which i mainly just do based on just sort of recent things that have happened in dark crystal whether it's like some recent news or something that's like worth sort of um talking about so yeah it's always always a good time so um but yeah okay so we'll we'll wrap up for this episode of trial by stone um thank you so much and yeah please keep in contact with us and let, let us know what you thought about brea um you know as we'll do a we'll definitely be doing a part two um of brea If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast and on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. If you'd like to support the show, subscribe to the podcast, write a review on Apple Podcasts and consider being our Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash dark crystal podcast thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of trial by stone this podcast is brought to you by thamescon bringing conventions to oxford and london including the great conjunction the first ever Dark Crystal Convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com.